Today's reading is from the book of Mark, chapter 16, commencing at verse 1. The resurrection of Jesus. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and, and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You were looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He's not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror, terror and amazement had seized, seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And all that had been commanded them, they told briefly to those around Peter. And afterward, Jesus himself sent out through them from east to west the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. Now, after he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She then went out and told those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After this, Jesus appeared in another form to two of his disciples as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe him. them. Later he appeared to the eleven disciples as they were sitting at the table, and he upbraided them for their lack of faith and stubbornness, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. By using my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands. And if they drink anything, drink deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he'd spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and proclaimed the good news everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the signs that accompanied it. Hear the word of the Lord. I think we feel more comfortable with Good Friday than we do Resurrection Sunday. At one level, uh, Good Friday is contained. We have a cross, we have a body, 
of his death on behalf of us for the wrong that we've done. We can reflect and we can feel somber and walk away from it going, wow, I can't believe Jesus died for me. I think we feel really comfortable with Good Friday, but the resurrection, the empty tomb, is an uncomfortable space. For the disciples, they had journeyed with Jesus. They left everything to follow Jesus. They left behind their their jobs, uh, their wealth, uh, their families, and they followed after Jesus. And then Jesus died on a cross. It wasn't a comfortable space for them because it was a crisis for them. Because as death always is, death was a crisis of identity. Who am I? What am I meant to be doing? This person that only a week ago was welcomed into the city of Jerusalem as a king, is now buried in a tomb. Jesus was the one that gave them confidence to stand in front of the authorities that wanted them shut down and killed. Yet Jesus was gone and he hadn't left anything for them that would absolve any of this confusion that they felt in and of themselves. Was he really who he said he was? Was he really doing what he said he would do? We thought this Jesus was the one that would bring in peace and hope and life for the whole world. And now this Jesus laid in a tomb, died on a cross. What does that say for us, the disciples would have thought, as they were confused and troubled? As we gather here on Sunday morning, they were gathering together in a room, fearful for their lives. You see, we read scripture and we go, well, it's kind of obvious. Jesus said, I'm going to die and then I'm going to be raised from the dead. That's just the New Testament. Read the Old Testament. There's all these prophecies of Jesus dying and being raised from the dead. Even after three days, Hosea 6 says, it's that specific. The prophecies around what Jesus would do, who he would be and what would happen, his death and resurrection, were in there, were in scripture. But They didn't live in a world like we live in. Most of them couldn't read. Most of them didn't have access to scripture in the way that we had. We have access to a Bible now. I know so so many people that aren't a Christian, they have a Bible sitting at home, just sitting there because they have a Bible sitting at home. We have a lot of access to scripture. Now, for those of you that are well read, uh, you may have heard our Bible reading this morning. It was actually really useful, David, that you read that uh, little bit in the middle because it was like a little disruption. You saw the bit where there was words on the screen and there wasn't any words that he was saying, right? Well, Mark's gospel actually has two endings. It has a shorter ending. So the shorter ending was read and then the longer ending was read. When Mark's gospel was written, it was written by one of the witnesses. So Mark... Matthew, Luke, and John. They were all witnesses and they all wrote accounts of Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. Now, Mark's is really short and abrupt. And I imagine a community of people, they didn't get every account folded into a book with the Old Testament as well. They got given one copied manuscript, copied carefully by hand of Mark's gospel. And at the end... This longer section gives them the, okay, so the what next? Because Mark's gospel kind of finishes at the cross and it finishes really abruptly. Finishes with some witnesses of the resurrection, but what now? 
And so the longer version of Mark's gospel is it lines up with the rest of scripture and it was likely added as an addendum to give these people a sense of understanding as to the whole picture, the whole story. But none of what we read is out of the line. You see, when you look at historical accounts and what we have here in scripture, it's amazing the detail of the records we have that give evidence for the resurrection. I'm not going to share with you much in the way of evidence for the resurrection this morning, but there's a lot. In terms of historically verifiable records, we have four different accounts that were separate accounts. We just have them in the one book now. People say, well, the Bible can't be relied on as a document, but it's historically verifiable. It's, It's accurate. Historians look at it and go, it tells a story of someone who actually did live. So you can... Trust it. Now, you look at the resurrection stories and you might come up with one of the the myths uh, around what actually happened to to deal with this empty tomb. And you you might say, well, the body was stolen, but that one doesn't really work. Why would some disciples who loved him and followed him and were scared, confused in a room by themselves, steal a body and then go and tell everyone that he was raised from the dead, and give up their own lives. They all died speaking the message of Jesus. Why would they do that if they'd stolen the body, if this conspiracy was true? The Jewish leaders, what did they do? In one of the other accounts, we hear that they hear from the soldiers that the body is gone, that the tomb is open, they fell asleep, they didn't do their job. What do they say? They don't say, go find that body. They say, okay, here's your story. Tell them that the body was stolen. And that story has been told ever since. Uh, Islam teaches its followers the body was stolen. That's the story that, that they're told. But if there actually was a body to find, surely they would have found the body. That would be a much easier solution to present a body and then the case is closed. We're going to do the Alpha course uh, starting on the 26th of April. If you want to look more into the evidence for the the authenticity of the Bible, the resurrection, that's some of the questions that the Alpha Course answers. Today here, we're we're considering this place of confusion uh, where there's an empty cross, an empty grave, and a risen saviour. The disciples, when they first uh, encountered news that Jesus is risen, hear it from women. Now, women today are considered reliable witnesses in a court of law, back then they couldn't give testimony. If you wanted to build a case for a story that was going to be believed, you you didn't pick your first witnesses to be women, but yet the Bible shows this countercultural message of value for women that we're still coming to grips with today as people in this world. And so they came to the disciples and the disciples said, ah, you're kidding, we don't believe you. And so they went and checked for themselves that the tomb was empty. And then as they gathered Sunday evening, they spent the whole of Sunday not knowing what had happened. Sunday evening, as they gathered, Jesus appeared to them in the room as they were eating. And they were fearful. They thought they'd just seen a ghost. And Jesus reassured them, ate with them. It was a physical resurrection. And then for 40 days... 
he appeared to them. On, the, on that Sunday, he appeared to two on the road. You've probably heard of the road to Emmaus where Jesus walks with Cleopas and another. And as Cleopas and, and Jesus and this other person walk with him, he explains to them through all the scripture how the Old Testament points that the Messiah must die and be raised And that was the way of God. And so Jesus explains all the Old Testament scriptures and their eyes are open to understand. You see, for all of us, as we remember Jesus' death and resurrection, it's about our eyes being opened. The Spirit needs to bring revelation to us. And as their eyes were opened to understand, they hadn't yet understood that it was Jesus with them. And as Jesus, at the end of the journey, broke bread with them, in the breaking of bread, they realized this is Jesus in it instant Jesus was gone. So over 40 days, uh, Jesus appeared to the disciples and many others, over 500 we heard in 1 Corinthians 15, many of whom were still alive at the time that Paul wrote that letter. So these witnesses, they could have counted the story, the, the, the testimony that Paul had written down, but they didn't. Because they had seen that Jesus was alive, that Jesus was risen, that death was not the end. And so that's what we gather here to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, death is not the end. Good Friday was significant, but Sunday has come. The dead are raised. On Friday I talked about how at the point of death the rocks split, the tombs were opened... And a whole bunch of dead people came and went into the town. Once again, you've probably got lots of questions. I've got lots of questions. Through the cross, death was defeated. We don't fully understand this, but the resurrection is a place of discomfort. Jesus was saying physical resurrection, death is not the end. But he was saying this life, if you don't know me, you're dead already. I'm offering you resurrection life that's going to affect you physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, mentally. See, the Sunday resurrection life offers us this testimony that what we see, what we exist in, what we have now, it's not all there is. What we hope for, it's not a hopeless cause. The hope for more life, more abundant life, is not a hopeless cause because of the empty tomb. The cross, we're forgiven. Evil is defeated. Death is defeated. We still have the presence of evil, but its power has been broken. The power of sin has been broken. And so we can leave sin at that place, knowing he's brought us freedom, but living out resurrection life. Well, that's a whole nother story. And so it's easy for us when we look at scripture in Mark chapter 16 to finish it at verse 9. Because then we don't have to think about how Jesus sent them out and said, these signs will accompany those who believe. Using my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands and they'll drink any deadly thing. It will not hurt them and they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. <laughs> See, it's easy to remain at the cross and go, what a great saviour. But the resurrection, the empty tomb requires something of us. You see, Paul says 
If Jesus wasn't raised, if the dead weren't raised, what's the point in life? Let's eat, let's drink, tomorrow we die. If Jesus has made a way for us to heaven through his death, and that's all we need, let's eat, let's drink, let's just have fun for tomorrow, let's die, because there's nothing more in this world has to offer. If Jesus, if Jesus wasn't raised, why are we here? If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, why are we here? What's the, what's the point in gathering? You see, some of the evidence for the resurrection is that the church has continued and expanded across the globe from that moment of his resurrection as they were sent out, as he ascended and empowered them to go out, they went and did everything that he did. They went and did this end of Mark's gospel kind of stuff. They saw healing. They saw people's lives transformed. And at the end, they laid down their own lives, getting this message out to the world. Now, now some of you will look at it and even gathered here this morning. I would love for our number to be bigger. Some of us will look at it and go, well, the church seems to be shrinking well, the truth is, uh, around you know, 300, 400 uh, AD, uh, Christianity got packaged in this kind of political parcel, which meant everyone who was in England, everyone who was in Europe for a time, a period of time, was Christian. That's just what you were because the political people said, this is who we are and this is what you do. So everyone was Christian, but not everyone believed. And so statisticians have looked at it now and they've looked at the path of the church and they say the church now is bigger than it's ever been. Now it's expanding most explosively in China and Africa and nations like that and they're even sending missionaries back to us. It's kind of like, you th- so think of the census. Uh, there was a big campaign uh, with a recent sentence, cens- census to say if you don't have a religion, put, tick, no religion. Don't just tick your heritage answer. And so there's a big swing and a big change and everyone's going, oh no, the, the church is shrinking, but it's not true. We're, we're just being honest statistically with what's really going on. But the church is moving and the church moves from this place of Jesus's resurrection. I wonder as you think of his resurrection and think of your own life, it, Is there parts of your life that need resurrection? Is there parts of your life that need resurrection? Maybe COVID has has really shut you down as a a person. Uh, Maybe you've carried some mental illness and some depression as a result of that. Maybe it's been going on for a while. You need resurrection in that space. Maybe physically, you, you need healing. We're called to pray for healing and to see people healed. You need resurrection in that place. Maybe your, your relationships in your family are broken down. They need resurrection. I wonder if you see it around you, the, the world, the community that we're in, that's become increasingly more self-centered and consumeristic-driven I wonder if you see the resurrection there. I, I wonder if you see the resurrection and brokenness as we, we, as we consider 
uh, issues uh, around consent for, for women, as we consider issues around race, as, you, as we consider issues around men and women in the workplace, as we consider issues around poverty and injustice. I wonder if you see the need for resurrection. I see the need for resurrection. And if I'm living, I want to live from this place of resurrection, this hope that the dead can be raised. Where we see death, life can come. As we see on this cross, that the flowers, where we see death, life can come. Where is it that you want resurrection? Maybe you've held out hope for a while and haven't yet seen it. Where is it you need resurrection? Where is it you see the need for resurrection? Jesus has come. He's died. He appeared to over 500. And he commissioned us to be agents of his resurrection life that the world would see Life from death through us. Where's God wanting you to be an agent of life? That this world would see that life can come from dead places because of the resurrection of Jesus. Where is the Spirit leading you and empowering you to be God's person to the world? That life will come to the world through you. That's who we're called to be as a, as a church, the church of the resurrected king. That's who we're called to be. How's he called you to take part in that resurrection work? It's not just in here, we gather here to remember. We're sent out to do. What are the prayers that God's calling you to pray as he goes before you that you can partner with him where he already is? See, that's the interesting thing. We, we as Christians think we're, we're going to new territories just by ourselves, but we're only going where he calls us to be, and where he calls us to be is where he already is, where his hand of life is wanting to bring restoration, healing, and love. Jesus goes to the broken places, because it's in the broken places that his love is most obvious, his light is most bright. How does he want you? How has he called you to be part of his kingdom going forward in this world? That this world may see the love and light and joy and hope bought for us through his death and resurrection. Let me pray. Father God, you uh, call us to be a people of the cross, uh, but you call our lives to finish at the cross. Lord, life starts for us at the cross. Life starts for us, Lord, as we remember your death. But we don't stay there. Lord, we look to that empty tomb. We look to your resurrection life. We look to you as our ascended king and we put our trust in you, Lord. As the one who could bring resurrection life to dead places. And so, Lord, we we pray that you open our eyes to see uh, where it is that's death in us that needs life. Where there is that's death around us that needs life. And bring into our hearts your love that through 
Your love in us, we may bring your life to the world. Give us words to offer hope to people as we tell of you, our resurrected King, who's alive and at work today in our lives and the lives of others in this world. And finally, Lord, we pray, fill us with hope that we may live hope-filled lives and make declarations of hope to others uh, through our words and actions in Jesus' name. Amen.